Give him a hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, you indeed are great this morning, Father. We exalt and magnify your holy name. You are Jehovah God. You are the beginning and the end. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You are the sweet rose of Sharon. You are the lily of the valley. You are the great I Am. We exalt you. We extol you this morning. We magnify you, God, for you alone are King. And Father, we are your servants, Lord. As I speak your word this morning, I pray that you would unleash your living word, Father, through this this mouth this morning. Speak deep into the hearts of your people, changing hearts this morning, Lord. Take out our stony hearts this morning, Father, and give us the heart of flesh so that we can go forth for you, Father God, and not move by our own emotion, but be moved by your word, be moved by your Holy Spirit in all that we do. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. Come and have your wonderful way. Move in our midst. Father, this morning I pray that you would remove every doubt, unbelief, Father, and every spirit of fear from this auditorium in the name of Jesus. And we send out all religious devils this morning. We command you in the name of Jesus to go from this place, to lose the minds of God's people so they can receive the uncompromised word of God this morning to bring change in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Greet someone this morning that you haven't greeted yet. Tell them you're looking good. I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we need to take an honest look at our lives. And when we look at our lives, we find out, you know what? There's something that God can do for me. How many of you look in the mirror and, and sometimes you're not so satisfied with what you're looking at? And we always tend to criticize that person that you're looking at and, oh gosh, if only I didn't have this hair or if only I didn't have this color. or hey, we, comp- we, 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 we criticize ourselves all the time. We call it critique your physique. The woman will always say, oh, I'm too fat. Or let me go on a diet, or oh, I'm too thin, or something. You never hear them saying they're too thin, they're always too fat. You know, God is satisfied with you just the way you are. Just the way you are. And like I said last week, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, the one fruit of the Spirit, I'm just going to quickly touch a little bit on what we spoke about last week, just about the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord said, let's talk about the fruits of the Spirit, but then He says, you cannot experience or walk in the fruits of the Spirit if you do not know the Holy Spirit. So we spoke about getting to know the Holy Spirit. And He's my lover. He's my friend. He's my everything. He's everything to me. Without Him, I'm nothing. I can't stand here without the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I don't believe that any person in their lives can go ahead and be successful in anything that they do without the Holy Spirit being our helper. So what we said last week is that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine fruits of the Holy Spirit and seven gifts of the Spirit, which we will also teach you about later. Then we spoke about the Holy Spirit, about why He comes. The Holy Spirit, we said, is a person. He is is a person. Only a person has a personality. And today He wants you your best friend. We said He's gentle, tender, 
lovely and purity, patience and peace. His personality is that of conviction and not condemnation. He teaches. He always lifts up Jesus' name. He guides without forcing. He comforts. He is our helper. And he is not religious. So we spoke about all of those things. And we spoke about the symbols of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy, speak, Holy Spirit speaks to us. The other part I didn't touch on was when the Holy Spirit comes, um, what does he do? And that is a very in-depth part. So I, did, I, I just felt this morning that let's go back to where God wants us to. This, and I know God has a plan for it. There's a reason for everything. So when the Holy Spirit shows up and what he does is another part of a teaching that you will hear in the, very soon. But today he wants me to talk about what is polluting your life. If I want to give this lesson any topic, it would be, what pollutes your life? And many times we look in a mirror, like I said earlier, and we think, you know what, this person is actually okay, but do you love that person that you look at? Do you actually love yourself enough so that you can love someone else? It's just a question. It's not a trick question. Now you may say to yourself, there's nothing wrong with me. My heart is just fine, you know. We can begin to understand that this condition of the old, old heart by taking a closer look at Jeremiah 17 verse 9. If you would turn with me to Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. Then, you, so then you're going to find out what it is about our hearts that has to change. Could you take your Bible out, please? Does anybody have your Bible? Show me your Bibles. Come on, let me see your Bibles. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Amen? If you don't have a Bible and you really can't afford to buy one, only if you can't afford to buy one, don't lie. The Holy Spirit will know that you're lying. Please speak to Brother Elwin. Is that okay? Praise God. Now, in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, can somebody please read for us? I haven't even got there. Hang on, let me just find Jeremiah 17 verse 9. <clears throat> 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Hmm. You shocked? Let's read it again. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Let me go back to the part here. It says, deceitful and exceedingly perverse, it says in the, in the um, message translation. And it says that it is corrupt, severely mortally sick. Shoo! Can you imagine that is in your heart? That is big words. Exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. So what does it say to us? One, we have an unfaithful heart. Isn't it? So when we have an unfaithful heart, who can know it and perceive and understand and be acquainted with his own heart and mind? And I was thinking about that for a very long time. 
a very long time because I couldn't understand that here I am, a born-again, spiritual child of God, but I still sinned. I still did the old things I used to do. And I would say, God, hello, but didn't you save me? Why is it that I still do the things that I used to do? I'm talking about years back now. And yes, there are many of you sitting here saying, you know what, I got saved. Jesus healed me and saved me, set me free. But you know what, when he says in Jeremiah 79 that the heart is deceitful, unfaithful, the wet word means unfaithful. When I looked at the definition for the word deceit, deceit means to be unfaithful. And the saddest thing about this heart is that it is unfaithful. Now, when we say, Father, forgive us. I've been unfaithful. The Lord knows. He already knows. All He needs is for us to repent and say, Father, forgive me. Oh, I'm looking at your clock. It's up. Hallelujah. They told me to look at the clock. I realize. Okay, I'm only starting now. It's 20 past 11. Right. Um, <laughs> they got a clock for me because I never wear a watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is always on time. He's never late. Amen. Come on. He's always on time. He does what He wants to do. I like that, brother. I like you. You need to come sit here by me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Who can know it? That heart. So it can never be dedicated to God. Do you think that unfaithful heart can ever be dedicated to God? No. Never. Why do we have a problem with so many Christians who say they got saved and they're born again, but they are unfaithful. They don't come to church every Sunday. They don't come to life group on a Wednesday. They don't come to prayer on a Friday. They're not even here when the gathering of the saints. And the Bible says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Amen. So they have a problem. What does it say to us? Their hearts are unfaithful. So let's go back. And it says that this heart can never keep to a commitment. And this is probably why so many people constantly move in and out of relationships as well. Or one of the reasons why the divorce rate is so high. Perhaps it's the reason also why prostitution is so rampant and maybe also why there is such a lot of integrity in the body of Christ. Come on, I'm speaking the truth. In love. Because of that heart that is so full of deceit. It's an unfaithful heart. Also, this heart that is so deceitful does not have what it takes to be faithful to do anything. They, they, they try, but they can't succeed at anything that they put their hand to do. I'm a failure. Why can't I do this? Uh, this just doesn't work for me. And you know what? You listen and you hear your counsel and you say, you know what? It's a heart issue. They haven't yet had a heart transplant. And I know that this is ministering to, to many of you here this morning because I've spoken to somebody this morning about what is hindering you, what is polluting your life that is making you so bitter. Think about what you're cluttering your heart with, what, you, what thoughts you're thinking about that is making you so discontent because your heart is full of deceit and you need to have a heart transplant. We all need to have a heart transplant. So in Proverbs 28 verse 20, the second reason why this heart has a bit of a problem is because it's a controlling heart. In Proverbs 28 20 says that a faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man. 
Now we just read earlier in Jeremiah 17 that that is an unfaithful heart. So that unfaithful heart cannot abound with many blessings. Am I right? So when you become a faithful man, like the Bible says, a faithful man in Proverbs 28.20 shall abound with blessings. Now, how many times did you not say to yourself, I will never do this, you know, I will never do that again. But when you look, you've ended up doing just that. Even though you said you wouldn't do it. I know. I was there. I said, I'm saved. You know what? Ah, man, you know what? I'm not going to do that again. I'm born again. I'm being healed, delivered, blah, blah, blah. But my heart wasn't changed yet. My heart was still full of deceit. And unfaithfulness. So I couldn't do the things that I was supposed to do the way I wanted it to be done. It was all just up here, all just out here. Nothing was in here. Amen? So we're saying it's a controlling heart. And that heart controls us in a way, you know, many times it starts small with a thought, like what happened to David. David saw Bathsheba in this bathtub. And um, he was a man after God's own heart. And he was tempted by what he saw. And when that thought got into his heart, and his heart became desirous of Bathsheba. And after that desire was fully grown, it brought forth what? An action. So here he is, he's looking at this beautiful woman bathing, and she's a married woman, and he keeps on looking at her, keeps on looking at her, and then the desire became so strong in his heart because he kept on meditating on it, knowing it was the wrong thing to do. He kept on looking at it. We look at this temptation. For example, I see this really nice guy. He's so loving, so handsome, giving me all the right words. Ooh, he's telling me I'm the everything. He's filling my emotional love tank. And I can be desirous of this man. And when I'm alone with him, that desire can bring forth an action because it's already a mind thing. It's already a heart thing because remember, I have an unfaithful heart. And then that desire becomes an action. I then go and sleep with him. We get involved in, in fornication and all the sexual sins that goes with it. And what happened to him? David actually became a murderer. He had Uzziah killed. So what haven't we done that caused us to to, to to, to cause people to die or sin or fall, for that matter. I thought this morning of, the, of King Saul. How that King Saul, I mean a great man of God, commits suicide. Who on earth would think that a king will commit suicide? And do you know what the Lord showed me this morning? Suicide, people commit suicide because their hearts are filled with fear. And there's some of you this morning or somebody here this morning that has, that has suicidal thoughts. Because when I asked the Lord, why are you showing me this this morning? And he said, because there's somebody that is thinking of suicide. But I want to tell you, my brother or my sister, that thought is from the devil. Because he knows what God has planned for you. He knows where God is taking you. And he wants to wipe you out before you can receive your blessing. Because that's all he does. He can only kill, steal, steal and destroy. So let me come back there to the heart that is controlling. The controlling, that's the second part of this unfaithful heart. It's full of deception that comes from Satan. So when you start small, you think about it, it becomes a control and it allows you to think that you are in control of this old heart. 
Sometimes we think, oh, I can do it, man. You know what? It's only one drink. Only one drink. It's okay. Just one drink is not going to do anything, man. Ah, you know, it's just a star function. You know, one drink is not going to do anything. (laughs) Or just one last cigarette. Just one more. (laughs) Filling up this temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you say, dwells in you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit doesn't share this temple with no gumph. You know, because then it's not the Holy Spirit. And then it's another spirit, a spirit of lust, maybe a spirit of desirous of unclean things. So when you look at this heart, it would even lie to you and say, you know, this sin is a small sin, man. You see, you, got, you did it before you got saved and you could say, Lord, forgive me and you repent. And you know what? Jesus is gracious. He's merciful. He will forgive us our sins if we confess it. In 1 John 1 verse 9 says that if you confess with your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But how many times are you going to confess that same sin? How many times are you going to do that same sin over and over again and you just can't get rid of it? Why? Why, Pastor Terry? I'm telling you now because your heart will never lead you to life because it does not have life in it. Now, if you want life in your heart, here's a couple of things that you've got to do. One, there's habits that you need to change. Habits. We watched uh, um, the apostle last night and in there he says to this drunkard, he goes into this shabin and uh, uh, one of these places and he goes in there and he says to this drunkard the guy comes stumbling out of the shabin and he says now you confess 21 times I'm delivered I'm healed I've been set free 21 times I thought why must he confess it 21 times but it ministered to me that it takes 3 days to form a habit and 21 days to kick it 21 days to kick an old habit so when that word 21, I'm healed, I'm forgiven, I'm set free from being a drunkard. So if you have a problem today, you need to say, Hey man, I'm a child of God, I've been healed, I've been set free, I'm living in overflow. You say it 21 times until it manifests in your heart. Amen. So another, another part of this heart is, the third part, it's a heart filled with pride. Whew. Aina. A heart filled with pride. I was telling the story about King Uzziah. Was it King Uzziah? Uriah. Uriah. Huh? She got it written down in the story of King Uzziah. He prospered so much and that he became strong in his own mind. I only added that this morning because I was reading in Chronicles what the story was all about. And um, I was quite impressed with that. And he says that King prospered He became very, you know what, this is a a typical example of a heart that is corrupt and morally sick. Listen to this. Go with me quickly, quickly in your Bibles to two, two Chronicles. Two Chronicles in the Old Testament. Chapter 26. Let's read from, well, you know the story about Uzziah, how 
He became strong in his own heart, was lifted up, and his destruction transgressed. Okay, verse 16. Yeah. 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up, and his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So as Zariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord, beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there, on the forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out, because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house, because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. He then became the king. But what happened is, in verse 23... So Uzziah rested with his fathers and they were buried with him and his fathers in, and in the field of burial which belonged to the kings for they said he is a leper. Then Jotham his son reigned in his place. Now isn't that a terrible thing that had happened to King Uzziah? You know what? In a moment, just like that, in a moment he lost his kingdom. Now we all know to do good but we do not know how to do it. We all know to do good requires a combination. We need the combination of a new heart and a transformed mind. And your mind is only transformed how? Romans 12 says, by the renewing. We transform our mind by the renewing. Renewing means by washing your heart and your mind how? With the Word of God about you listen to what his word says. Don't go to people in the world that don't know God. That do not have the Holy Spirit. Because they cannot discern the things which are spiritually discerned. If you go, for example, to a Methodist or Anglican preacher, they know a lot. These theologians know a lot of stuff. But they don't know the Holy Spirit. Who is our helper. Who is our teacher who is our guide. A lot of them make decisions that are from the wisdom of men, out of a book, out of a study manual. You know, I was going to teach you this morning, I was going to talk to you about, about what God has planned for you and how to get there. But when I quickly backtrack and I think about, when I look at the teenagers especially, and I think about how we all want to become something or do something in our lives, but it's not really God's will for us. People spend all this money on studies. There's nothing wrong with it, but sometimes they're just misplaced priorities. That is not really where you ought to be with God. 
You're wasting your money and you're wasting God's time because you could have been on the road to somewhere instead of on a road to nowhere. Amen? Because many of us are running on a road to nowhere. And how many of you this morning want to be on a road going somewhere? Amen? I want to go somewhere for God. So come on, get your heart and your mind changed this morning. Because that's what you're here for. To be changed. How? In His presence. Amen? It's not just going to happen. You need to make a conscious decision and say, you know what? Today, I no longer want to be having this deceitful heart. I no longer want to have this heart of control. I no longer want to have this heart filled with pride. God, I want you to change my heart. I don't want to be the same. I don't just want to be a pew warmer, a church pew warmer. I don't just want to sit here Sunday after Sunday and just listen to good messages. Yes, it's right, you've got to come to church. But I want to do something. But if there's something holding you back from doing that, which God is telling you to do, you need to go back and say, Hello, heart. Hello. Cut that heart open. We're going to get there now. So what happened to King Uzziah was that in his heart and transformed mind, if, imagine if he had to have a transformed mind, what would have happened? Now, the heart understands and the mind knows what has to be done. The heart understands everything and the mind knows. So when the both are in operation, the good in the heart flows to the mind and then trains it on how to think, on how to do it and how to live according to God's word. You see that? So if your heart is in the right place, it trains your mind. And not like David, when he saw something, the mind controlled his heart. Are you with me? So this morning we're going to turn it around. And we're going to say to the heart, you dictate to the mind. Because in the heart is where God works, is where he lives. Amen? So however the problem is that your priorities are out of order... If you look at the problem today and you say, you know what, this and this is going on. My priorities are all skewed. I've got it wrong. Many times I thought I was on the right road. I thought I was doing the right thing. And then I think that something is not working. And I would go back and I would say, Lord, but, but I thought that and I said this. And, and he would say, gently, he'll always say, can we just go back to that day? Can you just go back in your diary? And look at what we spoke about there. And then I'll go back and you know what? To my amazement, I've lost track. Because you did tell me on that day what I had to do. But I became so excited about something. I looked good like a pie in the sky. You know? I was looking at the pie in the sky and not concentrating on what the Lord actually instructed me to do. So we can lose focus because of this. This thing. Because the mind is Satan's playground. And he will put all sorts of ideas and things in there for you. Because he knows that because your heart is still unfaithful, if he puts a thought in your mind, he can control you. Because you're still working from the mind to the heart. But if you work from your heart to your mind, he doesn't have control. Because you know what? Satan cannot enter your heart. Only if you allow him. If you let that thought become a desire in your heart then he has control over you. So, many of us still have an old heart, so we cannot love God or fear him 
unto obedience. And that's a heavy revelation. <laughs> and I'm, sometimes I want to say, I'm sorry I'm, I'm saying this, but it's the truth. That old heart cannot love God. And that old heart cannot fear God unto obedience. Hear me now. So, I, th- I, I'm, I wrote a story in here about, uh, I remembered the story about one of the professors at the, in, in the, in the, um, in, at university, one of the surgeons, the heart surgeon, where my office was, I was right next to the Cape Heart, the heart um, plant, where they did all, where Dr. Bernard did his first, our first heart transplant. So I used to have this great relationship with all the professors, and there's one, pro- I said, yeah, prof, what is it about heart transplants? Can anyone just come and how long does it take? And so he says, you know, you cannot get a new heart unless your old one actually gives up. It must first die. They cannot take the heart out knowing there's something wrong, but they can't take it out halfway. That heart must first completely give up. Completely die its last throb. It must give up. Then they'll quickly transplant and put the new heart in. And that was awesome because I related it to a story some years back. I was divorcing my husband. I was adamant. I want nothing to do with him anymore. I want to divorce. I can't take it anymore. I can't fulfill my ministry. And etc. etc. Went to this conference and the Lord dealt with me very harshly. And this pastor was preaching in front there and he did the altar call. As he did the altar call, I went up and I felt like a lamb going to the slaughter. I wept from where I was. And I was saved already for about three years. So I'm talking about giving my game away now. Twelve years ago, Louise is how old? You're going to be 16. So I'm saved 16 years. I was pregnant with her when I got born again. She'll be 16 this year, so I'll be celebrating my spiritual birthday. <gasps> I have already. No, it's coming up the 23rd of March, guys. It's my spiritual birthday. Hallelujah. I'm going to be 16 years old. Whew, can you see I look 16? Hallelujah. Praise God. He just reminded me about that. So remember that 23rd of March, I'm having my spiritual birthday. And that is why there's such anointing on our children, because I was baptized when I was pregnant with her. And the prophecy that came over her life, she leads, she leads a praise and worship team today. And, and Stephanie as well, the prophetess, that the prophecies that come over our children will come to pass. You know why? Because they've got praying parents. And praying parents produce results. Because God hears our prayers. Amen. I lay my hands on them when they're sleeping, man. I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of deception. Take your hands off my child. You stop, you stop stealing them. I'll put my hands over their heads and I'll say, you will think godly things. You will listen to godly music. Come on, kick the devil in the teeth, man. He wants to steal our children. He wants to rob them of their youth. He wants to rob them of their joy. He wants them to get involved in sexual activities. You know, Friday evening we were praying. The Lord showed me something about sexual promiscuity that is happening in the world. One of our sisters in the church was offered a job. How nice they make it. 13,000 rand for three hours, whatever. I mean, who wouldn't take that job? It's a lot of money. But you know what it entailed? Selling sex on the phone. And that is sexual promiscuity. So all these sexual sins are out in the world there. I said to you, you know what? I'll actually phone and take the job so I can go and witness to these people. 
and say, okay, are you ready? And Jesus loves you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. So we're going to phone him back and tell him how much Jesus loves him. So you simply cannot get a new heart until the old heart breaks down, until it is starting to destroy your life. So many people have come in the church and say, I cannot anymore. My heart is so weary. This is pulling me apart. And then God touches them, but they don't come back. Because it's a temporal thing. They use God. They use the Father. And that grieves the Spirit of God in me because I felt what it was like to be used last week. I felt how people were using me. And the Lord showed me this one person kept on. It's not anybody here. Please, I'm not throwing any stones. Anybody here, please, don't get offended. I'm not talking to you. This person kept on sending me, please call me. Please call me. Please call me. Every five minutes of the day. I know who, who I need to call back. There are certain people here, even that I know I need to call. But this person was just carrying on. And I said, one day then I realized I was somewhere and this person called this person. And I said, so who called you? You know that person. I said, I never said a word to that person. My heart was so grieved. And I said, what audacity. They have the time and the money to phone everyone else. But when they've got to phone me, their pastor, I've got to please call you. Hello, where are your priorities? Stop using people. And I was annoyed. And the Lord said to me, you put your foot down. And I had to use tough love. Tough love. It's not a nice thing. But I had to do it. And I had to pray. And then God gave me boldness to do what I had to do. So, it's probably not taking geniuses to work out what I'm talking about. But you know what? We need to be mindful of these things. Don't let people use you. We may be Christians and be humble, but we're not doormats. We don't have to be used and abused and trampled upon by people. Amen? We move with hearts of compassion. We do things for God, but we're doing it in love. And we need to know who the devil is. He whores with our time, man. He steals our, 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 he steals our time. He steals our money. Because if you're not tithing, he is stealing your money, honey. <laughs> not my honey. He's stealing your money, honey, if you're not tithing. Because then you have a problem. Because if your heart, and, and when we had the leaders meeting on Friday evening, we were just sharing on that one part again. And it's important because you see the faithfulness of a person by their heart and their money. When their money, when they say, God... I trust you with my finances because your word says the tithe belongs to you. You put your tithe in the envelope, you write your name on it, and you know what? We as the pastors see where your heart is. Because if you trust God with your money, you know what? He can trust you with his people. So in this church, we cannot put you into a leadership position, even if you so desire, if your heart is not faithful. So your heart cannot be faithful if it hasn't been changed yet. Amen? Look at that. So people cannot tithe if their heart hasn't yet been transformed. Because they don't understand what the revelation is all about. They don't understand the principle or the concept. So... We need to examine our hearts and you need to ask yourself, is my heart destroying my life? If so, then you are a candidate for a heart transplant. 
I was still telling you the story. Did I finish the story? When I went like a lamb to the slaughter? Okay. Can I tell you the story quickly? Okay. Right. So I was walking there and this pastor is saying, and, and I'm standing in the line and everybody's going, I'm <laughs> breaking down. I couldn't believe. I, I, I promise you, I cried the way I cried when my son died. I felt that kind of feeling, you know. And I suppose that was probably when I really died to self. I wept so bitterly that no one could control me because it was divine from the Holy Spirit. And as I walked, I stood in the, uh, that world center in Johannesburg is huge. And I tell you, this camp meeting was for a whole week. We're going to have a camp meeting like that in this church. Hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. Because that's when things change, man. That's when people change, sitting the whole day under teachings. We have lunch and tea breaks, and we have more teachings and more teachings. So, um, and I'm walking, I'm standing in the line, the, the pastor comes, it was Rodney Howard Brown. How many of you know Rodney Howard Brown? Rodney Howard Brown, my brother. And he came walking around, and as he came to me, and he's just put his hands on my head, and God knows what he says, and I was down. And as far as I was concerned, I was just down there and up again. But my friends told me I was lying there for about almost half an hour. Because why? I was on the operating table. You know what happened, my sister? I heard, I audibly heard the angels. I was lying like this. They had this vanity cloth over me till here. You know, like I'm really on a surgical table now. And I heard... Many angels, they weren't just, this wasn't just one of them, many of them here from the left-hand side of me. And they were busy over here. And all I heard him saying, hurry, hurry, she's coming too. She's coming by. Hurry, hurry. And I said, what? It was so sweet. Hurry, hurry, she's coming too. No one else was around me talking. I mean, people don't talk in a prayer line like that. But there I was, lying under the power of God, listening to these angels. And then what happened was, I was receiving a new heart. I had been given a heart transplant. And I had this thought in my mind, I'm going to be divorcing my husband and I didn't want this life anymore. Hello? The devil telling me there so I can work here. But God says, hello, I need to turn the situation around. Hallelujah! So he gave me a new heart and he changed my heart and he, so that my mind could change. So I had a mind shift. Total transformation. Family, God can only do it for you if you want it. He will never impose or force himself upon you if you don't want it. That's how a gentleman the Holy Spirit is. And I touched on this last week. He will never force us into anything. He will not condemn us either. The Holy Spirit convicts us. It's the devil that condemns us. You'll say, you fell sinner. You'll never make it to heaven, man. But the Holy Spirit will convict you and say, uh-uh, not right. Don't do that. And he talks how? In that small, still inner voice in your heart. So I'm looking forward to that teaching on how to recognize the voice of God. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, do you want to go there? It says, God had already said... That the heart is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it, perceive, understand 
or be acquainted with his own heart. Who can? Can you be acquainted with your own heart? Can you identify with some of the reasons why your heart isn't operating the way it should? You know, when they removed my stony heart and gave me a heart of flesh, I was reminded that God has already provided a donor for all of those who want to undergo this vital procedure. There's a donor already. There's many donors that have given hearts to you and me. They, they, the angels are standing ready this morning with these hearts. The way they stand in revelation with the incense, with all the prayers of the saints. Isn't that, that is so awesome. You know, I've been meditating on this for the past few weeks now. How the angels in heaven actually stands with the bowls with our prayers in it to the Father. That is an incredible revelation. But I will share with you on that one as well. But what, what I'm trying to get through to you today is that we all need that spiritual heart transplant. And when you go and you say, Lord, I'm ready for the surgical procedure. I know there's a heart out there for me. This heart that is filled with power. And Jesus' heart came with an eternal assignment. And that is to thrust you back into your purpose. You may have gone off track, but the Lord is saying, don't worry, Melissa, I've got a heart here for you, you know, because I just want to put you back on track again. You might have gone off the rails, you know, but I'm putting you back on track. Here's a heart for you. And I see the angel standing with his heart, ready to give that heart transplant. Because you've got to be in a place to say, Lord... I'll receive this heart transplant only when you're ready. And if Melissa's not ready, the Lord will say, that's okay, I still love her. And he will still shower you with his blessings, still shower you with his love. He's not a rude God. He will never force himself. Some of you might say this morning, my heart is too, too sore. I don't want to hear anything about what you've got to say. All this may even feel strange to you at first, but if you will submit to God, He will do His perfect work in you. He will do His perfect work in you. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 quickly. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. We're coming to a close. Clock is helping me. Timothy chapter 3 let's quickly read there verse 16 all scripture is given to us by inspiration of God and is what profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness so don't we all want to strive for righteous living so this is why the word of God comes and then verse 17, it says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for what? For every good work. And that's awesome. Because imagine, you didn't hear this word of God, you couldn't be fully equipped for every good work. And I trust that you are writing these scriptures down. Because when we get together on Wednesday evening, we want to know from you what happened to you. Last week I was amazed at how 
some people related the story they heard about the Holy Spirit and the gifts in the, in the home cell on Wednesday evening. And it pleases God to hear that His Word has penetrated into your heart. Amen? So, when we look just quickly at another scripture in James 1 verse 4. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 4. You know, your heart, when you receive this new heart, your heart will no longer be connected to your brain. It lives totally then on the power of God. Because God doesn't speak to our minds, family. He doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to your heart. So when you receive this new heart, you will live totally from the power of God. Not from the power of the enemy. Because he will put thoughts and ideas into your mind. And also it receives messages from the information that has been stored where? Deep in your heart. Information that your parents or a Sunday school teacher or a preacher or your mother or your father may have given you. And those things in your heart cannot come out by your mind. It will only come out from what is there that has been put there years ago. I shared with my parents the other day and we were talking about uh, somebody in the family that has gone off and so forth and astray and I said, you know, it's the parenting issue. And I said to my parents, you know what, I thank God that you've instilled the values that you have in our lives. Because if it's part of my parents' work that I am who I am today, they had something to do with it. So don't always criticize your parents if they're wanting to help you and thrust you into your calling. Because they know, they are the best people who know about what is good for you. Some of you do your own things and you go and go off on a tangent and then what happens? Does your mother kick you out? Does your father kick you out and say, What do they do? They say, come out, child. It's okay. I told you. I spoke to you about it. It just makes me tired. Now, how does Jesus feel? He speaks to us Sunday after Sunday, day after day. Turn away from your sin. Change your heart. Change your mind. Or we go deaf. Because it's the lacquer. It's nice here, man. I want to camp here. It's nice. I don't want to leave the sin, man. It makes me feel good. I feel good when I tell my husband to shut up. I feel good when I tell my children, you are losers. It's lacquer in that sin. I'm speaking the truth. Some of you say to your parents, Oh, you don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about. They know. They know. Because they've been children too. They were teenagers too. Do you think they don't know? So, when they teach you something, don't always, or don't say, Yeah, whatever. I've never said that to my parents. And when God speaks to me, he speaks directly into my heart. And when He speaks to my heart, I change my mind. Because I know that God is about to do something. If you want to have this transformation in your heart and in your mind today, and you're saying, you know what, enough is enough. I don't want to please the devil anymore. 
but it's your choice life is a decision you can choose to live in a miserable depressed life when nothing is coming right for you because of your circumstances or you can choose to allow god to allow the holy spirit to give you a heart transplant this morning and that I mean by taking out that heart of flesh that heart that says I'll do it my way I know this works and nobody can tell me anything even if the word of god says that you know I know that this will work you don't know it all I don't know it all I still will say Jesus come on this heart of flesh you gave me make it a bit more fleshly that i can have more feeling more compassion we're not all perfect but we can strive to perfection and today is the beginning for you because god is saying if you want a complete transformation let it start from the inside from here this morning and not here corrupts your thinking Are you ready to get real with God? I want to ask you this morning. Thank you so much for listening. I do trust you were blessed with this message. Like our Women of Substance essay page on Facebook or email us on Was Network. W O S Network at keepthedream193.com.